Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Reza- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where did you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Very, very excited to introduce my guest, but first I must chat with my producer Tony Thaxton. I have a lot of updates for him. Tony, how's it going? Uh, I'm good. I believe you mean, I'm sorry, but again, I need to remind you, you need to talk to the bad boy of podcasting. Why do I keep forgetting? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how it's It's possible to forget that. I mean, it's like... You think a bad boy, you think of Tony Thaxton, you think a podcast yeah. and you think Tony Thaxton. And yet when I'm staring at your face, I sometimes forget. Again, it's because I get flustered because you're so bad. Yeah, I'll let it slide. But uh, that, that's two times now, I think. So, two times in a row, so what kind of bad boy stuff have you been doing? Last time we talked, you loudly broke a chair at a concert, <laughs> <laughs> at an outdoor concert. Uh, I haven't broken, I haven't broken any more pieces of furniture. Um yeah, nothing, you know, I've been trying, to, I felt like that was kind of my bad boy, uh, that really was my bad boy quota for this past week, I felt like yes. I didn't want to push it too far. You gotta ration, so, ration yeah. the bad, especially as you get older, no offense. Hey now. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like this is your most bad boy era, or do you feel like your bad boy of podcasting self, like, you know, your heyday was in your younger years? I mean... I don't think it's my place to say. Mm, you're I right. Think really, just let the people judge yeah. on their own. Yeah, you know? I want them to let us know. Tweet at ariynbf <laughs> and uh, let us know when Tony's heyday of being a bad boy was. <laughs> Can't wait to see those. <laughs> I, I know. Me too. I we, we need Paul Rust here to like come up with some really good hashtag. Mm, what should yeah. it be? Um, Yep, it's not happening for me right now. That's <laughs> just not happening. So um, I must address something in a moment. But first, I must address the other thing, which is this video is on YouTube, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. And I don't know what happened because I looked a certain way in the mirror. Fine. And now that I'm looking at my like my hair is not go- doing what I want it to. My face isn't doing what I want it to. I think I'm overly lit. My guest, you who you, you guys will great. see, thank you, thank you, but it's your job to say that. My guest, who you guys will see in a moment, is a professional and has a much more professional lighting situation or just always looks beautiful and natural. And we will find, we'll get to that in a moment. Tony, something momentous happened for me yesterday or possibly the day before. It was yesterday. Okay. I, was om- I almost texted you. But Ooh. then I thought, no, I'm going to keep it fresh for the pot. All right. Would you like to guess? 
Uh, well, based on pattern, I'm going to guess this is bug related. It is, yeah. Yeah, all right. <sighs> I'm going to guess that uh, the millipedes are gone. No. <laughs> oh my god, I would love that. No, they're the millipedes are not gone so much that I almost reached out to you and and asked if you could like put together a little ditty about millipedes. But then I thought, uh-huh. you know, since it's it's the update that we start the show with so frequently, I thought it should have its own song. But then I thought, but if I do that, I'm just giving in to never being free of millipedes. Yet still, I might, I don't know if you're feeling inspired, <laughs> but I might need you to whip up a little millipede ditty because something even worse than ever before happened. Not, I did not yet step on one in my bare feet in the bathroom, which is, that's, that's when I'll know it's time to shuffle off this mortal coil. Um, no, but I got up out of bed. Daniel was still in bed sleeping. And what do I see just, what's the word slithering up the wall near my pillow on Ooh. my side of the bed, but a millipede. Great. Happy They're fat little millipede. Wonderful. Yeah, I know it's wonderful. It is wonderful. And I say, okay, this is no big deal because, and that's not how I feel, but I've had to adopt that attitude. So I don't <laughs> lose my mind. And I'm like, I'm just going to take this little guy and I'm going to put him outside because, you know, as I've said on every single podcast since it happened, I was read the riot act by someone who feels that I should not be killing millipedes. I should just be carrying them outside because it's not their fault that they're lost. So anyway, I take the toilet paper that's been my um, it's like my little uh, millipede gurney. So I take the toilet paper and I'm hoping that he'll just crawl onto the toilet paper. But you want to know what? Ha- get your dun 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 ready. You want to know what happens inside instead? What happened? All of a sudden, I heard a plop, and the millipede fell from the wall onto my bed. And I didn't know where he went. All I knew was he could be on my pillow. He could be in my covers. He could be in the blanket. He could be on the flat sheet. I've got all the components of a bed. (laughs) And the lights were still out. Because Daniel was still sleeping, uh-huh. but I had to turn on every single light I could. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, let me find him. Let me find. And then I did find him. He was curled up into a tight little ball, like a little cinnamon roll of millipede, <laughs> a little, uh-huh. you know, what is that little circle? Uh, and so I picked him up and I flushed him and I'm not going to feel bad about it. <laughs> there is that a, was my that was my cockroach removal method yeah there's a poem i forget what it's called it's by nikki giovanni oh it's about and it's about killing a spider and, and then at the end it's like i don't think it's okay to kill something just because you fear it and it's not just about spiders it's about you know a lot more than that but it really made me take stock of my behavior towards millipedes and i don't think it's okay <laughs> also I should point out with all our peed talk, Tony, I don't know how much you um, traffic in the world of Q and that kind of stuff. I don't, uh, not very much for me, but no. I think they refer to, they use the term peds to mean pedophiles. Mm. So I use it to mean millipedes, which I feel like is really way more accurate 
But um, I don't know if pronunciation there. Yeah, maybe that could fit into your song somehow. Or I mean, I'm just pointing it out. (laughs) Just pointing out that maybe the QAnon people and I really don't have that much. I mean, maybe we have more in common because we're both obsessed with peds. (laughs) (laughs) Why watch it there? (laughs) Choose your words wisely. And uh, yeah, and then you know. There were some other run-ins, but nothing as bad as one dropping into my bed. I mean, just the the kerplunk. I'm going to hear, I'm going to, this is what it sounded like. I'm just going to do some Foley work. I just banged myself. With, okay, this is what it sounded like. <laughs> well, it didn't sound like that at all, but it was awful. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a thunk, like a, okay, mm-hmm. like a. Mm-hmm. But much quieter. Yes. <laughs> Was that loud? Let me try that again. Okay, imagine you're trying to to carry a millipede outside, and then you, and then all of a sudden you hear this. <laughs> That's pretty close. All right, enough of this. We've made my guest wait for too long. This is someone I have been following for years. I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast comedian. Actor, influencer, master impressionist, author, author of this book, Funny How It Works Out. It is Man and Matthews. Put your hands together for her. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. You look beautiful. What are you talking about? My hair is flat. My face is over. It's like glowing too much, but thank you. You this look, is a, this you is window lighting. Natural so, lighting. That's a really good time. Yeah. Um, so, Manon, I have been following you. I think I first discovered you on, you were on a show called Funniest Wins, right? Yeah. That was a reality competition show in, because I looked it up because I was like, what was that show? In 2014, um, and it was sort of like a last comic standing show, right? Yeah, it was like a combination of... Um different types of comedy so we did stand up and they're like basically like who's ever funniest in all these scenarios with pranking and characters and comedy shorts and stand up then they are definitely the funniest if they can do all of those things and yeah that was with um so there was some people from vine myself christina pazinski who's tom zagaro's wife yes uh, the tiffany show. haddish yeah um the winner was Sydney Castillo, who's hosted by Marlon Wayans. On the show, I got to roast Ray J as Kim Kardashian, and that's the competition <laughs> that I won. That was very special. I, I didn't know who Ray J was, and Marlon was like, you don't know who Ray J is? And I was like, no. So I had to do my research, and then I came mm. out as, as Kim Kardashian. And then after the show, he he hit on me, and I was like, I'm not Kim. Oh, wow. <laughs> At, yeah, it was kind of... Well, he had his manager ask me what I was doing after, and I was like... Got it. Mm-hmm. No, no, You're Ray like, J. Not you. Um, was that a fun experience? No. <laughs> How come? I don't want to compete. Mm-hmm. First of all, like the, I, I, at the time it just felt like, oh, this will be fun. You know, some of my friends are doing it. It'll be good exposure. I'll get to meet Marlon. Like, cool. I'll be on TV. Um, so that was my thought process going into it. But once I was finally there, um, I think it started off kind of fun. Like the co- like writing comedy and performing was easy and fun. It was just all the in between of all the off the side interviews where I started picturing like The Bachelor. I was like, oh my god, they're going to edit this to make me look like a fool, <laughs> and I just had so much anxiety. Like, I don't know. I just I 
I think it could have been fun, but my my mental men, my mentality around it was just mm-hmm. not great. I was just not having a good time, and right. I, you know we we couldn't see our like couldn't see our parents. We couldn't. We were sequestered in a hotel, and so mm-hmm. for a month. And I was like, I need like the things that make me feel com- comfort right now because you know, I'm in a situation that's uncomfortable and the unknown and what are they going to edit it like and all these things. And and then it ended right. with me getting the flu, which was horrible. Like I was there for a month and then I made it like I was in six of the eight episodes. And then the last day when I got voted off, which I mean, there's been some people that don't agree with the fact that I got voted off, but that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But that night I got the flu. So I actually think the universe was like, get her home. Cause then I had yeah. a flu ulcerative colitis flare up for a month and had to reevaluate my health yeah that sounds awful yeah it it was it was pretty bad Um, i think it was from stress though so yeah mixed with you know the flu right fun talk (laughs) (laughs) did they end up editing you in a way that you didn't like not so much maybe one episode i was i cried and Mm -hmm. then they they like put that in there and then one guy was like making fun of the fact that i cried and then it was like Mm -hmm. it kind of made me look it could have, you know, I don't know how it actually made me look. I only can see my perception of it. So I'm pretty sure people watch and they're like, oh, but my perception was everyone to be like, wow, she's a little bitch, you know, mm. like she, what a wussy. But I cried everything. So like now I'm more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Whereas back then I was like, you can't see it because <laughs> it's a funny show. It's all comedy. It's like not emotional. This isn't The Bachelor, you know, so right. Like no one's trying to edit it to make you look bad. Like they're trying. They just want you to be funny. Like it's a mm-hmm. comedy. And so, yeah, it was just it was just weird. It's not something I think about much. I also, yeah, again, I don't mm-hmm. want to compete. I want to be on a sitcom. I don't want to be like competing to prove that I'm funny. You know, like right. so this, this, there's a comedy competition show that's out there now and they've asked two seasons, me to be on two seasons. I'll never do a comedy competition show again, ever. Because it's just, it's just not a good, it's not fun. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to be free. I want to be on SNL or yeah, a sitcom or something where I'm, mm-hmm part of a team not pitting each other against each other right something i that um resonated with me from your book which i am holding up to the camera funny how it works out in the back you have um some what would you call them like like a uh lessons in (laughs) lessons in man infestation is what you call them um and just some, you know, life tips that you've picked up. And you mentioned that having a morning routine is really important to you because if you just go straight to the phone before doing something that brings you joy and sort of thinking about stuff, uh, having, having your own time, then that leads right into you compare, doing compare and despair, which is something I've been talking about on the show recently. I've been talking about that. I've been talking about trying to free myself of the need for external validation, but also one, like I'm almost thinking, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't talk before actually doing anything about it, but I'm going to. I've been thinking like, do I want to write something about that? Or do I want to do a podcast series about that? Or maybe just one podcast episode? Because I'm really trying to figure out what is the healthy relationship with approval and with external validation? Because we are social creatures. And it would be a lie to say that we don't that we can live completely free of the need for other people to approve of us. Or maybe it's not a lie. I don't know. What do you think about all of this? And where are you with all of that? 
Yeah. Well, first I think it's, yes, of course it's, I think it's important to always like take that space in the morning because apparently how your morning is determines the way that your day is going to go. And if I'm starting the day in comparing my numbers to another person on Instagram or seeing somebody in, you know, Hawaii and I'm not there and automatically I'm in defeat Mm -hmm. and not good enough. That's my day is going to be carried with those thoughts. But if I start the day, you know, the first hour of power, you take your day before your day takes you, you can like (laughs) meditate, you can do self-care nurturing things to where you're like setting yourself up for success. So you feel like you're aligned with your, your power or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I do, I, I don't think it's realistic to just not need approval from anybody. Um, I think the trick is to look at it in a way of, well, how do I know that they're approving of me or not? Like, is it just because they're shake? Like, how do we know we're being approved of? Or is it a story that we're telling ourselves in our head that they are approving? Mm -hmm. But so, so much of a, so much of it for me, even nowadays, I'm learning like, oh, I've lived so much of my life because of trying to please people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not even, they don't, they don't care. They're not thinking about what is man and doing only we're all thinking about ourselves. And so that's why I say it's most important to become best friends with yourselves, to know how you feel about something before taking it out into the world, because that's the, that's the opinion that matters most. That's the one that's been with you this long. It's going to be with you until the day you die. So if you don't become best friends with you, who will like they, no one knows you like, you know, yourself. And so once that relationship is nurtured, then I kind of feel like people's approval, it just doesn't really matter. I mean, if I was waiting for that, I wouldn't have posted anything because I don't know. Like I didn't, I don't know. I just feel like it it matters more what you feel about it than what other people think about it. And if they approve, great. And if not, doesn't matter because you're going to do you. You mentioned that you lived so much of your life uh, as a people pleaser. Where do you think that came from? Um, Only child. My parents were very funny and yet very sensitive. And I think that they put a lot of pressure on themselves as parents do Mm -hmm. to do the best that they can. And so when they saw their daughter crying or having a hissy fit or whatever, they, they internalized that and they were probably thought, Oh, I'm not a good enough parent because if I was, she wouldn't be unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I too had that same thought is, Oh, if I were a better child, then look, dad wouldn't be angry Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I made it about me and took it personal. And so I started just adjusting my authentic behavior to please the people around me. So if I just was quiet and I would withhold, then they would be fine. But if I emoted, then they would have a reaction and that reaction would turn into conflict and I don't want conflict. So I'll just be quiet. Like I spent a lot of my time, even though I'm wacky online, I also don't speak a lot of the time because I don't want to be wrong. I don't want conflict. Mm -hmm. I avoid, you know, a confrontation at all costs. I don't like discord. I just want peace and harmony because I feel everything. Like I'm, I'm a very Mm -hmm. sensitive person as I think a lot of us are. And I think we all do this. I don't think this is unique to me, but I think that's where the people pleasing started. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that's that's heavy. I uh, relate. <laughs> to, no, no, no. I don't. No, no. Heavy in a in a. I just mean I'm reacting to it because I'm relating so much to it. I don't. We talk. I talk about stuff like that all the time on this show. Um, but more and more, I've been thinking about and reading about and working on in therapy this idea that as children, our job is not to put our parents' emotions and needs before ours, 
but that's hard, you know? Yeah, because we're around them. If, if they knew better, then they would have done better and they would have been able to be like, hey, me yelling, that wasn't about you. Please mm-hmm. don't take that in. I'm going to do better to yell over there or to do it away from you because I know that you're a child and you don't know how to process it. But like what parent, like now we're all into self-help and therapy, mm-hmm. but guaranteed 20, 30, 40 years ago, no one was doing that shit. They were just like doing their best and they would just scream when they wanted to scream and they didn't realize how it was affecting the child. And then they didn't learn how to apologize. You know, like if my dad would yell at me, he wouldn't sit me down and be like, man, and it's because I'm unhappy and I took it out on you and I'm so sorry. And that's not yours. And I'm going to do better next time. (laughs) He would just like yell at me, say, go to your room and then come up, come in the room and then open his arms and expect me to hug him. And then I would resentfully hug him and then Mm -hmm. hold on to this, like, you know, cause you, you, you come in the world trusting your parents And then at some point they lose your trust, right? Mm -hmm. Until they amend it and do better. But most, I don't know. So for me, that's how I process is like, oh, I, you're my hero, but then I lost trust in you and now I'm resentful. And how do we process this? Mm -hmm. And then it shows up in every single relationship moving forward because the first seven years are the most impressionable time for humans. Right. And for me, it was just, there was this incongruity because I couldn't assimilate it with the, um, you know, wisdom or uh, realizations that an adult would have of like, oh, you're, you know, these are, you guys were very human and not perfect. And, but as a child, it was just like, but I have them on a pedestal, but sometimes they do things that make me feel bad. And I didn't know how to make sense of it at all. Yeah. And for me too, like they didn't, when I would emote or have feelings, oftentimes it was met with them taking it personally and then they Mm -hmm. wouldn't know how to hold the space for me. And so instead of being like, that's okay, let it out. I got you. They would be like, oh my God, she's hungry. Oh God, man. And you're just so sensitive. And then I would shame and internalize. Oh my God, I must be a horrible person Mm -hmm. for not only feeling, but just existing because look, my presence is angering them. Yeah. And so that would, that, I mean, that's why I started drinking at 16. I mean, that's not why, but when I found alcohol, I was like, oh, oh, this feels good. I feel like a kid again. I'm not thinking about who to what. And so, but I think that's it. I think like, so the relationships that I'm in now, I make sure that we all just say, I got you. And we don't judge. We don't Mm -hmm. respond like, oh my God, you're crying. We just go, yeah, that's fine. That's nice. And we just, you know, we're learning to hold the space better for each other. I think Mm -hmm. As a whole, hopefully, I don't, I can't say that for everybody, but like that's, that's a healing tactic for sure to just allow a person to be where they're at and not try to fix it. Yes. Not try to tell them what they should be doing. Like, no, nobody wants that. They just don't, unless they ask for it, unless you've like grieved it. And then you say, okay, actually, no, I am looking for advice. But most Mm -hmm. people give advice without knowing that the other person actually didn't want advice. Right. Because I think they're because they're uncomfortable hearing someone's emotion about something and they think that that's the way to to fix it. Yeah. Um, Man, you and I really have everything figured out. And the other people, I hope they catch up. (laughs) You ever feel that way? They are so behind and I'm the queen of the universe. And I if everyone know. would just do what I did, I then they would have a better life. But it's like, we're so advanced. It's incumbent on us, I guess, to like be at their level, but it is hard sometimes. Yeah. I always have to drop down significantly yes. to interact with the humans. Yes. And then at night I float back up and become the angel that I am. <laughs> yes. But I'm, yeah. 
Same, girl. Um, hence, it's such a pleasure to talk to someone else who's at the peak of enlightenment as I am. Um, what was school like for you? Well, it was great until I moved. Until sixth grade, my parents decided to pluck me out of Sherman Oaks, and then we went to Calabasas, which was fine, except that I didn't have any friends, and it was a very rich school, and we had money, but like not compared to the people that lived in gated communities. So I just felt really alone. It was actually pretty horrible because I was stripped away from something that I was so like comfortable being mm-hmm. myself with. And so I felt like I had to recreate my identity, but it, I wasn't recreating something that I liked at all. I was, again, I became really quiet, withdrawn. Occasionally I would tell jokes, friends would laugh. The only thing I was really powerful in was dancing. I always have felt free dancing from birth to now. That'll, I don't think that'll ever go away. But my personality definitely dipped from moving. And I cheated a lot in school. I was too nerve-wracked. I would eat powdered donuts out of my backpack. I couldn't pay attention for the life of me. Uh, unless I sat in the front, which finally I realized, oh, like I can't see far away. And that was a huge problem. <laughs> and I never like knew that, that like I saw differently than other people. And so I remember one year I sat up front because the teacher yelled at me for talking in the back and then I was able to see the board and I did really well on the math test but yeah I was not a great student because mm. I was so concerned about people liking me again I was just like I just wanted to fit in so badly I still do all the time I felt that when I went to college I was like how do we have a social life and do work and one's more important and it's having a social life. <laughs> That's how I 100%. felt at the beginning. Oh yeah. I went to Santa Barbara City College. It was all about drinking and partying and just going out. It was like, I never, I sometimes I just skip class. I was like, this doesn't matter. Now you said that you still want to fit in. Yeah. Not to the degree that, uh, I used to. But, you know, I'm alone a lot, a lot of the time, or I have my group of people that I feel like no matter what, I'm always connected. But yeah, if I'm at a, if I'm around humans, I'm, I, I say that I'm pretty confident now, like, cause I've, I'm, I don't know, sobriety gave that to me, mm-hmm. but, you know, I still want there to be unity. I still want to feel connected to everybody. And I, I look at ways that I'm similar to people to kind of fit in. Um, cause neurologically, that's the way to do it. Um, just find me up in the angel stars because <laughs> right. I just know everything. I don't know I what know. to tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like it's like, yeah, it's not like uh, causing a huge detriment in my life, but of course I always want to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when did you start performing? Um, I was always performing, but I started, I got a camcorder when I was really young and then I learned to, how to edit at 12. So I was making videos from a pretty young age. And then I started, I picked up performing again about 20. And then I started doing Second City uh, and Groundlings and stand up. Yeah, from about 20 on. How did you performing? How did you learn to edit at 12? That's amazing. I don't know. I just, my you- dad bought me an editing system because I was always filming. And I just had an, an act for it. Even from the beginning, I just, I knew what shots and where to cut and what would look good. And it was just something that was really fun for me. I, cause I think I was alone. I didn't have to fit in. Mm-hmm. I was able to just be. And I've always kind of had that where I, I, I know how I want a shot to go. I know how I want the timing to be. Timing is everything. And yeah, I just, I, I think I watched the, 
instructional video because there was no youtube at the time <laughs> of how to edit and then i edited it and it was i would i loved putting like i remember i watched the oc at the time mm-hmm. and i would put all their soundtracks over my movies just to make them <laughs> you could feel them so much more like all my <laughs> movies have like oc one tree hill soundtrack in the background and they're very dramatic but then there are some comedy videos as well i always love to make parodies Hmm. And you do really good impressions. Thank you. Was Kristen Stewart the first one you did? Or had you been doing them a lot before you decided to do that, put that one up on Vine? I had been doing them my whole life, but for nobody. So, or my mom, you know, I remember <laughs> I was like six and I came in and I was like, mom, who am I? And I, I turned my, I turned my head and I was like, and she goes, oh, that's Ryan from across the street. And she laughed so hard. And then I was like, oh. And then I would do little voices. And she always said, that's really good. So she kind of nurtured that a little bit. Um, but I wasn't doing it professionally until I did it in my stand-up routine where I do Kristen Stewart uh, is getting therapy advice from Kim Kardashian. And people liked that a lot. And then, yeah, so I was on Vine. I had like 200 followers. I didn't know getting a follower. I didn't know getting followers was like a thing at the time. Mm -hmm. And then someone was like, hey, put up your Kristen Stewart. And then I did. And overnight, it had like 10,000 views or something. And then then I ended up having like 500,000 followers in a month because I kept going. I kept doing the Mm -hmm. impression and other impressions and other videos. And then, yeah, that's how my internet stardom started. Did that feel exciting at the time? Oh my God. It was so fun. It was so fun waking up and seeing the 99 plus and then it kept refreshing. And then yeah, all the, all the views, I was like, people are seeing this. This is insane because in my mind as an actress, I'm like the way that I'm going to make it is probably just, I'll do like three co-stars and then five guest stars. And then eventually I'll get in this room. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So to, to get that and to have that happen was crazy. And it was way better because then I was able to just be myself and film anytime I wanted. And it brought back that childhood sense of wonder of like, Ooh, I love filming. Mm -hmm. Remember I love filming and now I get to do it. It's so cool. And did the vine stardom, open doors, lead to things, etc. It led to Funniest Wins, which was the hit show on TBS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that it led to that. It led to I made a feature film. Uh I I didn't make it, sorry. I was in a feature film created by my father. It's called Holiday Breakup and I starred in that and I was able to have all the my Viner friends in it and that's been on Netflix a few years in a row over during the holidays. It's always during the holidays. Um, I started working with brands like Amazon and T-Mobile and dozens of others. I started going on trips. Like I worked with Disney, went to, um, Australia and Shanghai to the premiere and met all these actors and other influencers. And yeah, it definitely led to opportunities. I thought it would lead to me being a movie star. Mm -hmm. It hasn't yet. So we're still waiting. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> any day now, any day any now, day. people are going to see those vines. I think Wh- they're just all intimidated by my wisdom. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> they're like, she's just too much. She's going to shine the light on all our darkness. That's right. I'm not ready for her to see inside. Yeah. Um, were you sad when Vine went kaput? Yeah, but it was like a delayed sadness. I think I had it in my head 
months before I was like, this can't last. Uh, but that was more on a personal thing of like, this success can't last. Not so much the app. I didn't Mm -hmm. think that the app would just literally vanish. So I was sad. I think the sadness came later when I realized, oh, I'm not going to be seeing these people anymore that I collaborated with every day because just creating vines is such a different game beast than creating YouTube videos or whatever. And it just kind of felt like everybody went their own way because we were growing up and So yeah, the sadness also hit later because I realized I lost 3 million followers. Like, where are they? Mm -hmm. I didn't do what some of the people did, which was follow me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, follow me here, go to the, like, I didn't cross promote enough, which I obviously regretted because, um, yeah, all those followers are just out in the ether, but TikTok came around. Thank God for that. It's a lot of fun. I... I'm the only human being not on TikTok. I know I need to get on TikTok. I had an account and then I erased it and I need to get back on there. But is TikTok your uh, your your vine now? I'd say so. I mean, you know, I'm older now. I have a different sense of humor or a little bit different. Um, I TikTok is so much more than just comedy where I felt like Vine was so com- comedy heavy and TikTok is just for everybody. And I like, I love it now. Whereas I was really resistant at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, I'm not doing TikTok. It's for lip syncers. <laughs> That's not talent. Like, you know, all high and mighty about it. And then I, I was like, well, there's nothing else to do. So I'm just going to download it and I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And yeah, it's going better than Instagram. So. I love it. And I feel like it's a nicer community. I feel like everybody, the, even the app itself is more, um, user-friendly, mm-hmm. like they'll, they'll boost your posts. Whereas Instagram, I've been on it for since 2013 and I've half the following there than I do on TikTok. It's ridiculous. You have almost a million followers though on Instagram. So you have, you have like that double that on TikTok. I have double on TikTok. Wow. Tony, in are a, you on TikTok? Wow. I am not. I think I like, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the few also not. I've, I've looked at it in like kind of when it was pretty new and I was confused by it initially. Uh, yeah. It takes yeah. like some browsing for like a couple days to really get it. Yeah. I think you guys should be on it. I'm going to get on TikTok and I'm going to exclusively do millipede content. It's what the world, <laughs> what the world needs from me. I mean, some there's different colors. I've been Googling what that means. I So far, I haven't found anything, but I don't know. I'm like, is that, are some, you know, light because they're babies? Does it have to do with what they're eating? How utterly disgusting. Here's you could something. just film them and then give them a voice. Yeah. And like narrate what they're up to and what they're really thinking. That could be a cool TikTok page. See, you just know how to do it. You should be a consultant. <laughs> for the millipedes just for the millipedes just for the yeah you're changing their image listen you guys as the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get and the one thing i can always count on is how comfortable a purple mattress is for anyone who's watching this on youtube i'm holding up a sample of the grid which is this gel-like material that um okay man and leaned grabbed something off cam and i thought you were gonna hold up your purple grid too and i was like oh my god you have one too but it was just a cup of water but still i still felt very connected in that moment listen you guys purple is comfort reinvented 
Only Purple has The Grid, a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. I don't know how it does it, but it's just fantastic. Here's the deal. The Grid doesn't trap air. This is especially important right now because it is boiling in Los Angeles, and the forecast for next week is utterly depressing. Air circulates and flows through the grid, so you'll never overheat. The grid bounces back as you move and shift. Uh, and right now, you can try your Purple Mattress risk-free with free shippings and returns, and financing is available too. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now, you get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash bestfriend10 and use promo code bestfriend10. That's purple.com slash bestfriend10, promo code bestfriend10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash bestfriend10, promo code bestfriend10, terms apply. I also want to tell you guys about BetterHelp. Uh, Allison Rosen is your new best friend is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Whether you're struggling with anxiety or depression, need help with relationships, or are having difficulty meeting your goals, online therapy might be right for you. BetterHelp helps you assess your needs to match you with a professional licensed therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Uh, BetterHelp also is more affordable than traditional therapy or can be more affordable than traditional therapy. And if you feel like your first therapist maybe is not the right match for you, you can change as many times as you want without any charge. So I know that it can be daunting to start up therapy right now. You might be feeling like, well, I don't, what if it doesn't feel right? What if I don't, all the, all the, you know, fears and doubts and anxieties that I think are pretty standard when you're starting therapy. Uh, do not worry. They got you. You can, they will get you to the right person as many times as you want. It's more convenient and more affordable than in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash best friend. That's betterhelp, better H-E-L-P.com slash best friend. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash best friend. Okay. And we are back. So your book, funny how it works out. Um, you mentioned the pandemic in the book. Had you, st- when did you start writing it? January, 2020. Okay. So just before the pandemic. Yeah, I was on Facebook live and I, I, I think someone wrote a comment that said, you should write a book. Cause I was talking about my brilliance and the knowledge that I have that's more than everybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to write a book. And then a publisher, an indie publisher reached out and was like, let's do it. And I was like, okay. Um, and then we wrote it like very quickly wrote it, meaning like he supported me and gave me dates and everything like that. Like it left to my own devices. I'm not just going to write a book and sit down, but he would be like, okay, I need this and this and this at, by this date. So he, he really, really did more than just publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it came out six months later. What was the so process was, like for you? Uh, it was hard. <laughs> Wasn't easy. Parts of it were okay. Um, I think I left a lot out. You know, I kind of rushed it because I sometimes I think it's just better to get it out there than like obsess about it and then it never mm-hmm. getting out there. And so, you know, reading it now, I'd be like, Ugh, what about this? What about this? What about that? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. You know, we can always do that in hindsight. But I think for the time frame that it, was written and it's fine. It's great. It's been fun. People, f- I feel like people are getting a deep dive into, 
you know, who I am, what I've been through, the way that I think. And that's, that's been wonderful. Mm -hmm. You, um, and you talk about this in the book, but I'm curious about the timing of this. You were married and then like, how soon after the marriage did you find out that he was cheating on you? We had our wedding and then a month after I found out that he was messaging other women naked photos. Were you totally blindsided? Oh, a hundred percent. There's no, we spent every day together. He treated me like a queen. He was so kind, warm, loving. So when I found this out and I saw the screenshots of him sending nudes and nude videos and saying things like, you know, Manon's nothing. She's useless. Oh my God. You're my true love. Yeah. I love you. Um, I'll be with you. I won't be with her forever. That's for sure. She's boring. She's not sexy. I'm about to blow up on the red carpet and I want you by my side. And I'm like, you've done one non-union commercial. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but he just said, he was just like, so. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, no. So clearly this man, I had no idea. I was compl- like, his family flew in, like paid their earnings and their savings to fly to this wedding in Malibu from Scotland, from Australia. Like they all loved me. I loved them. He was so sweet. Like I just, so my whole world flipped upside down when I found this out, but, but I believed it because I was looking at the screenshots and I was like, that's him. What the, And every cell in my body, like I felt like it flipped or something like reality became like, what is reality? Like what's true? Like my Mm -hmm. whole, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sheltered and I, I wasn't raised with like, I've, I have issues, but lying is not one of them. Like, that's just not something that I think to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it, it really affects the soul. And it weighs heavy on a person or not if they're a sociopath, which maybe. But yeah, I I just became aware of like how much pain this man must have been in to do what he did. And then, you know, later that night he admitted to everything and I proceeded to like, you know, sage and shower him for 48 hours because he was sobbing nonstop. And I realized like, oh, he's not okay. And, Mm -hmm. and then I, you know, kicked him out and I was like, I need to take care of myself because who did I marry? Um, so yeah, it was pretty awful. The worst thing that ever happened to me because we had such a fairy tale start to our story. And I thought he was my person. I mean, the day I met him, I was like, Oh, that's the man I'm going to marry. And it was really like easy. And we didn't have any fear. We just went straight into it, you know, but it was, you know, now looking back, I'm like, yeah, we moved pretty fast. We got engaged after four months and had our wedding almost two years after we met, which is not that bad, but that's really not, I mean, like that's not that fast. Yeah. It's, it could have been way faster. Right. But it also could have been way longer. Yeah. But I felt like that's what he was doing to be honest with you. Like I left a lot out in the book because I still had so much consideration for him. And I was like, this is, I don't want to write about this. Like, oh, let's bash this guy. Like, yeah, I'll say what he did quick, quickly. But my point is that the reason and how I got through it is that I didn't take it personal. I realized that hurt people hurt people. And I'm going to continue keeping my heart open. 
regardless of how one man treated me, which I think a lot of people shut their heart off and they say, they generalize and they go, oh, all men are bad. So therefore I'm never going to date again. And Mm -hmm. that I was just like, this is not a lot is about me, but this isn't like this. And then I found out after the book came out that like he was doing it the whole freaking time. The man, like, I think he conned me. Like I found out all sorts of stuff that I really didn't need to know about and it, but it solidified that I made a good decision in walking away. Cause I tried, like we went to therapy after, like, even though everyone's like, no, like this is way too soon. Like you don't have kids, like you just got, but I was like, but I married him and maybe this is his sickness. He wants to get better, but he just said whatever I wanted to hear, you know, how did you remind me how you met him? We met on Instagram. I saw him and he was living in, or sorry, he was visiting LA while I was living in New York. And I saw him in one of my friend's Instagram stories. And I was like, who is that? Who is that? I feel like I know him. That's so weird. And then I went to his page and then I went to send him a message and saw that he already written me 18 months before. That kinship that you felt with him right away, how do you regard that now? Well, Part of it is that I feel like he looks a lot like you and McGregor, who imprinted on me when I was really little in Moulin Rouge. And so I just was like, I tr- like the way he looks mm-hmm. occurred to me as trust. So I look at it a very like neurological standpoint of like, okay, he has a dark voice. He looks me in the eye when I speak to him. He's really present. He has an accent. He's hot. He must be trustworthy. So mm-hmm. like, I never thought like, First of all, I never wanted, never thought about marrying anybody that I'd really dated before. Like I never took it seriously. So mm-hmm. when I was having these experiences, I took it as at face value. Like this is what it is. I didn't like question it. Um, I also didn't have a very good vetting system. So I think honestly, that was my lesson throughout all of this was like, I needed to, cause there were moments throughout the relationship as it went on where my body would kind of retract mm. or I would kind of give him this look when he would say things. And we always just chalked it up to like, I'm an oddball. Never, oh, I'm questioning you mm-hmm. and, your, and your realness, which in hindsight now I go, oh, that's why I was so, my body would like close off sometimes to him mm. and try to protect itself. Like the body doesn't lie. Energy doesn't lie. Like if, if all else fails, what is your body saying? Because it's just so much smarter than the mind. But he was a wordsman, like he wordsmith. I don't know what the, what to call it. He was just so good with his words. Like, so I always put Con his man. words. Yeah. I always put his words above my feelings, right. which is something I needed to learn how to listen to myself over anybody else. And so I kind of think I manifested some sort of, I don't know, like, I think I was just must have been delusional or something and just not looking at painting red flags white, you know, what, like what kinds of things would elicit that response, that um, recoil in you? Or are you just the withdrawn, the energy closing in you? Um, he said that my hands he saw in his dreams when he was a child. I'm sorry. Is <laughs> it poetic and beautiful? Keep please keep going. Well, at the time, I'm like like what? <laughs> this is the day he met me in person cuz we FaceTimed for like 5 days before mm-hmm. this. Um, but he said like he looked at my hands, he goes, "Those are the hands." And I was like, 
what? And he's like, yeah, I saw those in my dreams. And every girl I've dated, I've looked at their hands and they're never the hands. And those are the hands. I was like, oh my God. But I also like wanted it to be true. So I, at the time was like, yeah, like I, I like, how would I get the thought when I, I saw him too. And I thought, that's my husband. Mm-hmm. Why did I get that thought? Or right. did I know like, no, I'm going to marry him. He will be my husband. Just not for long. Like I didn't hear, <laughs> Oh, that's my soulmate. Oh, that's yeah. the man I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. I heard that's the man I'm going to marry. So like, I, I always wonder about that kind of thing, you know? Right. So, other- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then, you know, the times where he would be really like in my face, kind of being like, man, and you're the most amazing person I've ever known. And I've never felt a love like this. Then I, you know, that's when I would kind of be like, but I just met you a week ago, you know? But I, again, I was like, I am amazing and you do love me and I love you too. And let's go, you know, Mm -hmm. like I just hadn't been hit very hard yet. I hadn't been cheated on yet in my life. So I was very trusting of men and my relationships and people who loved me and all these things. And I think I needed that kind of like, no, people lie and you're not that special kind of kick in the butt. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think you make a good point though, which is we all do, we grow up with these fantasies of how it's going to be when we meet the one. And so then when you meet someone who is trying to seduce you and trying to sweep you off your feet and it is moving fast and it feels intense, there is a temptation to go, oh, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. This is what it's supposed to be like. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, I can't believe all this hard work of working on myself and spirituality and all these classes that I've taken and all the work. Like I finally, I can't believe it. Like God does love me because he brought or it brought whatever it is, brought this man. And I got that feeling of like, you know, when you know, you know that people would talk about. And I was like, I can't believe I'm getting my own little fairy tale. Like this is, it was, it always felt too good to be true. Mm -hmm. But like, I just accepted it, you know, and he didn't, it's not like he, it's, we were spending every second together. So it's like the only time we weren't together was when he was in the shower doing, you know what? <laughs> so it's like, I, 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 I want to take so much responsibility for my part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have, cause I could have done so much better as far as like, you know, pausing, being more patient, not having him stay with me the first week he came, you know, it was like, I was like, of course he's going to stay with me. He's my husband. Yeah. <laughs> but like, now I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, no, if you want to be with me, you'll, you'll wait kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I just didn't really do before. I was like, none of this matters when you know, you know, kind of thing. And so what we're saying, <laughs> I was just talking, I was just talking about the, the like fairy tale aspect of it, but, oh yeah. Well, yeah, and all, he met my mom before he met me. Yeah. Right. And so, like, he did all these things that seemed like no other guy would do that unless they were serious. Like, right. he had a coffee. My mom lived in California at the time, and she knew that, you know, my husband was coming, as I would mm-hmm. like to say it. And she goes, I mean, should I meet him first? And I was like, no, no, no. And then I told him that she said that, and he goes, oh, I'd love to. And they had a two hour coffee, right? And so like my whole family was like, he's your person. We would dance the same in clubs. Like he was literally born the day my parents got married to the year. Hmm. So there was all these signs that were like, he's literally, he's born for me kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And, and so when it, when this happened, when I got this news, I was just like, what? 
they're like, I'm smart. Like, I don't miss this. Sh- like what? Like he was good. He was good kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, he wasn't just like, I'm just gonna, you know, like he, it was almost like he planned the whole thing out a long time ago. I hate to say that because it's kind of creepy, but that's what I was going to say is that the thing that, uh, my brain is like, the whole thing is like making my mind explode. But what I keep thinking about is the fact that you had a good relationship with him. That's what makes this very movie of the week. Like it wasn't like it was a fraught relationship and blah, blah, blah. But like you were happy with him and this was going on. Yes. That's what's so chilling about it. Yeah. People will be like, well, you just got to be, be aware of narcissists. And then, so I listened, I listened to a, a book called Psychopath Free and they were saying, yeah, he, they put you down. They reel you in and then they put you down mm-hmm. and the da, da, da. like, I have no bad memories with him. Yeah. So it's hard to be like, I, I mean, there's like one that like is bad, like, but it was after I found out, you know? So like, those aren't going to be pleasant because I'm mm-hmm. so angry and like, how could you? But, but prior to that, no, like we had such great communication. Anytime anything would come up, I'd be like, okay, I have feelings to express. He goes, what is it? And I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just, you know, I've learned how to like not blame people, but to take responsibility for how I feel. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be like, I hear you. And that's all right. And, you know, like, that's a terrible accent. But, like, <laughs> like we had, in my opinion, great communication. We were very goofy, very loving, cute, deep. So, yeah, it wasn't your traditional, you know, I think there was, like, a show, Dirty John or something like that. Yeah, where, yeah, where it's like, he hit me and nobody knew and he yelled mm-hmm. at me and he put me down. No, all he said to me ever was... You're a star. You're a light. You're a light worker. You're beautiful. And so that's why it was so confusing to be like, well, then what are you doing? Right. Then what's going on? And I've always made it a safe place for you to come to me if you're ever feeling antsy or whatever. But a yeah, person's, I, I don't know. So like, there's nothing, he's still doing what he's doing. He's still going off and doing this. And I know this because women who just recently dated have messaged me saying, hey, you know, I just got out of a relationship with your ex-husband and he really messed me up and I'm in therapy because of it, because he yelled at me and blah, 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 and all these things. And I'm like, holy crap. So like, he doesn't want to change. Right. But he yelled at them and he, yeah, I was like, oh, well, he didn't yell at me. (laughs) My name is tattooed on his chest. So I must've been a little bit more special than, uh, (laughs) I mean, this is a terrible way to look at it, but I was just, I was more sad that like, he's not learned. I don't know. He doesn't seem to want to change, which has, that's the missing, that's like the key ingredient to cause change is the person has to want it. Do you like hearing from these women now? No. Um, but I know that it happens for a reason. Like I, I needed to hear from a couple of them to really, Cause you know, after everything, after the therapy, I was like, that's okay. We can still be friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very like, it's hard for me to stay mad at people. I don't have the thing where I hold grudges for too long. Like I just like, I see both sides of everything. I was like, oh, I get why he does this. He doesn't feel like he's enough. And he's reaching out to these women because they make him feel powerful. Like I could see where he was going. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I needed to hear so one last thing is the second day we FaceTimed, he sent me a song and he said, just listen to it. Let me know what you think. And I listened to the song and I was like, oh, that's our wedding song. I sent that to him. I texted him. That's our wedding song. Like a crazy person. And he, <laughs> he immediately wrote back and said, I know it is. 
That's why I haven't shared it with a single soul. I've saved it for us. And guess what? It was our wedding song. We danced to it at our wedding. What was it? A song he had written or like it's a popular no. song that no, not other people have heard. People have heard it. It's not a song he had written. Oh. Um, it's just a song, but it's not. A, I didn't know it prior to that. Um, Do you not want to say what it was? No. Okay. Maybe after. Um, and this woman, after the book came out, said, hey, I just read your book. The part about your marriage was like reading my exact experience with your ex-husband because I dated him for oh a year in 2016. And I know you don't name the song in the book, but I'm going to guess it's this song because that was to be our wedding song. So that's when I lost consideration for him because mm-hmm. I realized, oh, he's, this is just like, that was something I was like, oh, so he lied to me day two. Right. Telling me he had never showed that song. Like, dude, this is like, this is his, he has a strategy. He'll show the song. He'll say all these nice things. He'll love bomb. He'll, you know, mm-hmm. just try to, you know, and I, so that's when I was kind of like, oh, I don't need to be friends with this person. It's actually better for me to like step back and send him love from afar, but like, mm-hmm. I don't need to be interacting with this person. It all sounds traumatic. Very. Yeah. It's very traumatic. I have a good, you know, floor weeping moment once a month because of it. I mean, but it's also during my period, so I don't know. But there used to, <laughs> there used to be like a lot, like after I was just crying a lot. Now it's fine. It's been, you know, a year and a half. I don't I think, I don't know. Did any of your friends have any qualms about him? Or did anyone around you see anything? No. Wow. And yeah, no, they were all like, oh my God, we love him. Like, it wasn't, you're like, don't do it, man. And I was like, I have to. And then I regretted mm-hmm. it. It was literally like everybody loved him. It wasn't until after that, uh, like three people spoke up and were like, you know what? Something did feel off. Mm-hmm. And my dad he was devastated. I'm his only child and I'm his only girl. So he was pissed because he just spent all this money on this wedding and he cares so much about me and blah, blah, blah. And he was just so angry. He said, I knew it was too good to be true and I should have said something. So like it's in hindsight that people are able to kind of yeah. start seeing the past again. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like we look overlook it and then the hindsight we're like, Oh yeah, that was weird. That was right. weird. You know? Right. Um, have you dated since slash are you open to dating again? Yes, I'm in a relationship right now. Oh, look at that. You, you survivor, you. <laughs> yes. And it's great to have the reference to the past guy because this guy, my body is just like, yes, like I trust you. I, my, I feel lighter. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been in relationships plenty, but. It's just really nice to know that the universe had something far better planned and that, you know, he, they, the universe took out, I say the universe, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Took out this man, con artist man before the pandemic. Cause imagine going through that during the pandemic would have been, I just feel like timing was, was fine and it, it worked out and yeah, I'm very much in love right now. He's wonderful. He, is he in the room? Is it the guy that that set up your microphone? Yeah. 
Well, he seems very nice and he knows his way around some audio equipment. <laughs> he comes in handy. Yeah, we became friends first, which is always good. Mm-hmm. I think that's always good because then you're not like showing, you're not like trying to manipulate by telling all your best line. Uh, you know what I mean? Like when you become friends, you can be a certain way around someone and it's easy. And we really, you know, there's just things that have happened in this relationship that I can now have reference to the other one. That's just, it's really good. And yeah, I'm really happy with him. And do you say his name? Whose name? I mean, like, the is boyfriend? it public? My boyfriend? Yeah. And it's not public. It's not public. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is a hot scoop. I know. <laughs> I'm sure some people could figure it out and find it out. I'll, it'll be public at some point. I'm just, my last relationship was so public and I felt like I took everybody on this romantic journey and mm. then to have it kind of blow up like that was just, I mean, I didn't post about our separation until we were literally separated. Um, but people were like, where's your husband? Didn't you just get married? Where is he? Where is he? And it was just like, yeah, cause it was so soon after the wedding. And so I would just like be alone in my, you know, Instagram stories. And I don't know. I just kind of felt dumb, even though I'm, I'm not dumb. And I know that I was just embarrassed mm-hmm. that I took everybody on this ride. So I'm just doing it differently this time of like, I'm just going to keep this private for as long as yeah. I can. So I'm not adding any fluff to it. Right. right? Like, it it was a lot when people were like, oh my God, you guys are amazing, like thousands and thousands. So it, it built up this relationship rather than what I have now, which is nobody's uh, putting their input, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's nice because I, fe- I get to figure out how I feel about it rather than how other people feel about it. That makes perfect sense. You know what else makes perfect sense? Uh, scrubs that are ridiculously soft and engineered with athletic apparel functionality. I'm talking about figs. These are innovative, comfortable, and supremely functional scrubs. Every set is made with technical comfort to blend design, comfort, and performance. Um, Fig's mission is to make awesome scrubs so healthcare professionals can look, feel, and perform their best. Now, when my sister was in the hospital having her baby, um, she had to go in a couple of days early, and I visited her there. It was a little bit of a, it felt like an, you know, I'm not going to go into her medical details. I'm just going to say, I was noticing that the scrubs that the pe- people in the room were wearing were like, very stylish and they fit very well. And I was dying to say, are those figs? However, I knew they would just be like, get her out of here. So I didn't say it. But if anyone was in my sister's room around the time she had her baby last year, I've lost track of time. <laughs> I'm still wondering, were those figs? I think they were. I feel like I recognized that special antimicrobial silvader technology. So many pockets. And by the way, you guys, they don't only make scrubs. My husband has a very comfortable, very pocket full, not a word, but there's a lot of pockets, hoodie that I've borrowed before. It's warm. It's comfortable. It's got all the pockets he needs. They have other stuff. They have um, Fion technology. That's their thing. It's an innovative fabric technology from the fiber up. 
If you are one of the awesome humans who work in healthcare, Figs wants you to wear the scrubs you deserve and enjoy 15% off your first order. And if you're not working on the front lines, thank someone who is with the best scrubs in the world. Figs will give you 15% off too. Use code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout. Head to wearfigs, that's W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S dot com and enter my code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout. Again, that's wearfigs.com, code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout. Get ready to love your scrubs. Okay, I think we should do some Just Me or Everyone. This is a segment where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? If you have one, please uh, tweet it to at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. That's Alice Rosen's best friend. Use the hashtag J-M-O-E. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, let me switch to, okay, all right. Amy Christensen says, when fast-forwarding commercials, I see one for another show I watch and press stop thinking that's the show I was watching. No, I don't think I do that, but I get what she's saying, but I don't do that. Do you guys do this? Yeah, I get it, but I don't, yeah, I don't, uh. I'm streaming anything. That sounds that sounds like more like a DVR move, and I don't, uh, right. don't have one of those anymore. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't watch commercials. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get that figured out, Amy. Chalet says, sometimes when I eat a mediocre meal, I imagine that I'm in a situation where I'm starving, like I just walked through a snowstorm and reached shelter where warm food was placed in front of me. It's my attempt to trick my brain into thinking it's satisfying. That's so good. Oh, my God. I don't do that. No, no, go ahead. No, I don't either. But that's perfect. That's brilliant. I should do that. Yeah. I know that... um, my husband and Wendy, who comes on the show, uh, they've both talked about, or maybe I just talked about the fact that Daniel does this. When you're having a tough day with your kids, thinking if it was the end of your life and you were allowed, I think what, what Wendy does is like if you were allowed to you know, relive any day, you would jump at the chance to uh, have more time with your kids when they're little as a way to sort of get you into a mindset of gratitude as opposed to just being frustrated by little cranky people. Um, Let's see. Bex says, I am so bad with names. I wish that novels had a character glossary so that whenever a name is mentioned throughout the story, I can refer to the glossary and recall who the fuck the author is talking about. That I would, I need that. And especially when books give two characters similar names, like you're making it up. You couldn't make these a little more different. (laughs) Yeah, I support this idea. Yeah. Um, Manon, do you have one of your own? Does showering ever feel like a drag to you? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's kind, of, it's kind of a lot. Well, this comes up on the show. We all know that Tony takes a shower right away and he wears shoes all the time. These are his... That's why he's the bad boy of podcasting. But <laughs> yeah. I... My showers are getting fewer and far betweener in the pandemic. Like, I think of myself as someone who's a daily shower person, but it turns out I can let it ride a little longer than that. Same. And I have a a pool. I mean, it's a saltwater pool, so there's not like a ton of chlorine or anything. But still, sometimes I'll just go in the pool and I'm like, that's fine. 
You know, like meat and stuff is cured with salt. So I feel like you are cleansing yourself with salt water. That's very much the same. Yeah. I wash my hair like once a week. If yeah. that. It's just a lot to do. It just, it's just hard. I, I have trouble motivating because I'm like, but I'm so comfortable in my filth right here. So it's well, hard. Andy, we have me. hair. Yeah. We have a lot of hair. We do. That's like, that adds a lot. Like if I didn't have a head of hair, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. I'll just jump in the shower. But it's a whole thing when you're like, okay, I have to shampoo, condition, brush it, dry. Ugh. The drying of tired it. tired thinking about it. Yes. But I find that a, sham- uh, a shower where I don't wash my hair it's not the same. I mean, it, no, it's functional, it's but it doesn't, I don't feel nearly as refreshed and wide awake. So I, I probably no, wash my hair more than I should. Cause you want the water hitting yes. your head. Otherwise it yes. feels like you're just like kind of rinsing off and yeah, it doesn't give you the refreshed feeling. Tony, do you see your male privilege? Do yeah. You see what is it has afforded <laughs> I, you? I do. Yeah. No, I can, not... I can understand why it's cause I've, I've had longer hair before, not anywhere as long as your guys's. And it's definitely more annoying when my hair is a little longer. So I can understand why that's more of a thing. Tony, when you do your right away daily shower, do you wash your hair in the shower? Do you just let it get wet? Do you not do any uh, of that? No, what do you do? honestly, I kind of, I don't wash my hair very often. Like how often? Uh, once every couple weeks probably whoa and you have yeah. majestic thick hair but you get uh, it wet I, right yeah i get it wet yeah. oh um, so you rinse yeah oh yeah it gets wet every time but yeah i i, I don't actually wash it all that often do you and put I, do you put what? product in it mm-hmm. but you bit, don't wash it very much often. no wow. i and i've i've been i for it's kind of been this way for a while i used to be paranoid about uh, and note like i've straight up like asked ex-girlfriends or something like does my hair stink like is this am i fine and no one has ever said that there was they've noticed anything tony is a professional drummer he's a member of the band motion city soundtrack when you're touring because i i've seen videos of you i know you sweat and i don't mean that Mm -hmm. and it's an insult it's just a fact yeah when that happens are you washing your hair more often no whoa (laughs) this is really wild and crazy (laughs) bad Um, boy you know this is like, I, I remember when I learned that my dad doesn't use shampoo. He just rinses his hair. I mean, I think maybe he uses shampoo now and again, but not frequently. My old producer, Jeff, used to style his hair with a bar of soap, which still mystifies me because <laughs> like, what if it rains and then there's just soap dripping down your face? Men and their grooming. I tell you. Okay. Crystal Lorenz says, Wait, have I already done, Tony, have I already done this one? When going through a drive-thru, I get embarrassed if I have to order face-to-face with an employee. I prefer to order into the speaker, less guilt over what I'm getting. Does that ring a bell? No, this doesn't sound familiar to okay. me. Okay. Um, wait, when do you ever order with a person? Sometimes, like, like in and out will do that now. Sometimes they'll have, like, a person outside with, like, an iPad kind of thing. Hmm. And they'll, they'll come and take your order. Oh, yes. Starbucks. Starbucks, yeah. I think, does that sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally have this, but I totally get where it's coming from. Yeah, same. I'd say same as well. I don't ever think that the person's going to judge. Yeah, but that that being said, I don't think when I'm going to uh, drive-throughs, I'm ordering anything too crazy. It's when I would go to the donut store. That's when I would kind of get embarrassed. 
Because it would <laughs> like if you're eating your feelings, you're gonna just like project that onto anybody taking your order. I think. Like, what was your donut store order? Uh, <laughs> the donut store. Um, <laughs> you know, the donut store. I would get an apple fritter maple bar and then the it's like a donut with a hole and it's pink uh pink is dressing? it strawberry dressing i love a donut with extra dressing <laughs> frosting <laughs> frosting yeah that was like the mo- more cake kind of one it had like pink mm-hmm. frosting with sprinkles so i guess all, all three of those when i was feeling things that is this i didn't a dun- process was your donut store dunkin donuts no that was before dunkin donuts just came here didn't it this was yeah, like years, years ago. ago i don't do this anymore got it i've healed it with hypnosis i wanted to ask you it's my last question unless unless i think of others um you have a certification in neuro linguistic programming right yes two what what is that and um what uh motivated you to do that i actually did it before vine so i quit my waitressing job job at daily grill uh and then became certified in nlp because this woman did it on me Mm -hmm. without me kind of knowing really what it was and i remember she did it one night and i was like tearing up in the meditation or hypnosis and i felt really good for like a month and i was like what but i didn't know why i felt so good and then this one was like, oh, yeah, because I did this, 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 this. You can get certified with me um, if you'd like, and I'll give you a scholarship and all this stuff. And and I did it. And I honestly believe that that was like what started my success, I should say. Like, I did it as like, oh, I'm going to have a parallel career. Like, if acting doesn't work out, I'll just be a uh, NLP practitioner and help people because so much power is in the unconscious mind. And so, you know, hypnosis sounds like this like kind of weird thing, but it really is just tapping into the unconscious mind, which is where all of our behavioral patterns lie as well as beliefs. And we're functioning from those. And so if we don't take care of those, we're not going to have a different experience Mm -hmm. because you can say affirmations all day. Like a person knows oh, I don't want to smoke and they're still doing it. Or like, I I know I need to lose weight and just eat less, but here I keep going. So it's like knowing isn't enough. It's Mm -hmm. getting to the unconscious mind and figuring out what program are they running off of and how can they find something different that's more effective. Um, Go ahead. And I got so fascinated with that. I was just like, this is, oh my God, why doesn't everybody know? They should teach us in high school and, or no, when we're even younger, is like, how do we talk to ourselves? Because what we say to ourselves is literally everything. And so if you had become a neuro-linguistic, pra- neuro-linguistic practitioner, is, does that mean, like, what would the treatment sessions have been like? Is, is it done under hypnosis? Yeah, it could be. Mainly, I would say yes. Um, you would come to me and say, hey, I'd like to stop overeating. Or I'd like to believe that I'm worthy of X, Y, or Z. Or mo- most people would do that and pay that kind of money because at least if you wanted to like get him to uh, fix a problem with the person that I got, she charged like three thousand dollars or something crazy. Wow! Um, but it's fixed. So like something that torments a person for their life. Like for me, I 
you know, I got lucky and I was like in a session with her because I was in a class and so she needed a, someone to work on. Mm -hmm. So I raised my hand because overeating was like a huge issue and that trickled into alcohol too, where it's just like, if I'm, if I can't eat the whole box of Oreos, I don't want to do it. Uh Like Like, all or nothing. Yeah. All or nothing. And she did like one 10 minute exercise on me and like figured out, I can't even remember what she did, but she figured out why I was functioning like that and then fixed it and made me made my unconscious mind satisfied with just one. So now I can't have an Oreo and be like, ah, great. And I I actually can't believe that that's the case. And it's been the case for six years where I'm like, you know what? That would have been worth $3,000 because that tormented me. Anytime I would eat all Mm -hmm. three donuts or a box of whatever, I would feel so shitty after, like not just physically, but I'd be like, what's wrong with me? That person can eat too. You know, so it actually is worth it because it opens up so much when you don't even have to think about how much you're eating or when you're eating and all these things. And that's just, you know, some people would go and they'd be like, hey, I need to figure out how I can you know, have OCD and I wash my hand 200 times a day and it's, you know, they're bleeding and they would come and then we'd talk about it and then probably put them in hypnosis and it might take one treatment or it might take, you know, five, but I need this woman's number. I'll give it to you. (laughs) Um, did so, okay. So you got the two certifications. Did you actually do any practicing of it? I did on myself. And at the time I was doing it on some friends and family. Mm-hmm. Did they know? Yeah. Cause I would ask them, I said, I, Hey, I need to practice this. Can we <laughs> like, can it, on? the idea with it is that it, you're using specific words and things to talk directly to someone's subconscious, right? Can it be used without the person's knowledge or is that like practicing dark arts? Yeah. I mean, we take an oath that we're not going to use it in that way. I think people who are salespeople use it naturally Mm -hmm. when they're like, you're going to love this car. You're going to be so happy that you bought it. And the person's like wondering why they're talking so weird, but then they're, they're unconscious like, Oh, I I love it. Okay. You know, so, you know, it could be used as a dark art. I mean, that's how I got married. (laughs) I feel like that guy totally used it on me without my, I'm like, how did I not see this? Right. Um, so I think, I don't think people use it. I think they only use it for, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I always wonder, this is not the same, but I always wonder when you're like checking out of a grocery store and the clerk says, did you find everything you were looking for? And I feel like 99.9% of people say yes, even though like probably no, I didn't. But what am I going to do? Have you call someone to go find a specific item at this point? Now, no. And I always wonder, is that some kind of like, ju- like psychology where you'll walk out of the store thinking like, I found everything I wanted because you agreed that you found everything you wanted. I'm probably overthinking it. Maybe were you going to say jujitsu? Yes. Yeah. Is that some sort of jujitsu? <laughs> um, <laughs> probably. I think the people that say it are just told to say it and mm-hmm. they don't know why they're saying it. But yeah, that's very, um, that's kind of a form of NLP of it, uh, presupposing someone has, uh, yeah, found what they're looking for and then they walk out going, I found every, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a form of it. And my editor at the OC Weekly, any experience you had, he would go, how was it? Was it great? And I remember thinking, well, it was good, but it doesn't, it wasn't great. I feel like that actually backfired the way he, ins- it was like, he insisted everything was great. Well, so, we, so listen, we're all programming each other every day, all the time. 
We don't know it. So when I say, you know, when you eat a box of donuts and now all of a sudden, because I said you, you may be thinking about doing that when that's not what I meant. What I meant to say was, you know, when I do this, I'm having a hard time, but we say mm-hmm. you all the time, which is right. called doing a you directive. And we could be programming each other all the time, which is kind of what we did in the pandemic when we're like, you're going to get sick and you're going to, it's like, no, 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 no. We let's not take in what everybody else's fear is. Let's talk to ourselves so kindly, be so loving and leave people better than when we found them. Right. And so if I say something of like, oh my gosh, you're glowing and you have, you, you'll be fine. You have a strong immune system. The person might go, what does she know? Why does she think it doesn't matter? Their unconscious heard it and went, okay. So like I'll use it and sprinkle it in places. I always make sure that I actually mean it. Otherwise it'll come across kind of like weird, but either way, like I'm not gonna, I now am more aware of using negative language around a person because I don't want to program them in a negative way. But I think we should all learn this because people are bleeding all over other people and infecting them with their fear that needs to stop it. I feel like doctors never have told me I'm glowing. And I would have liked to hear Oh, it. doctors are terrible. Like I had a doctor just recently. Of course, that's what would have been amazing. You're glowing. Anyone wants to hear that. Yeah. I had a doctor who clearly didn't know NLP and he comes and he goes, he goes, so bad news, bad news. And I'm like, what? What? He goes, your thyroid, it should be at a five. I mean, it should be at a four, but it's at a five. <sighs> Very bad. And I was just like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> you came in th- telling me I thought you were going to say something actually really bad. Yeah, yeah, that's what is exactly what popped through. Right. Not, I think what you're what you meant to say was hi. So interesting things. Your blood looks great. You're healthy, and um, you're a four. It should be at a five or whatever the numbers are. Um, so what are we going to do to fix this? Is this this this? But you're going to be in good shape, and then le- have me leaving feeling okay. I know things need to be done, but like they need to be so careful. And some of them are just not. That is, yeah. I also, I have thyroid stuff as well, but I remember like the first test was the person was like, your thyroid is fine. We just want it to be in this zone. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did you say anything to him? Well, I mean, during it, I was just kind of like, I mean, that's not that bad. You said bad news. You know, I was just kind of like lightly dabbling it, but yeah, um, I mean, it's really, it's really hard to say. I find it really hard to say anything to doctors, but well, he was also, he had a, he didn't have the best English. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I took it also as like, well, maybe he just doesn't understand what he's saying to me. Right. Um, he's just trying to get the words out. Um, cause he doesn't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I was just like, you know, sometimes I, I do pull people aside. I was like, Hey, listen. So, and then I also have to know my place and be like, you know what? I don't have to try to like save. I don't know. Like, yeah, I just get really tired and people find me annoying if I do that. It's tough. I get <laughs> I don't want to be annoying. I want to be liked. Same. So. Yes. Um, listen, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, letting me ask you personal questions, doing just mirror everyone, et cetera. Um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, what is it called? A you diversion? You directive. I'm going to do a you, you guys. You know, when you're thinking about signing up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, and then you do sign up and then you're like, this was life changing. I wish I had done this sooner. 
I love it. I love the bonus episodes. I love the Zoom parties. I love signing up at the level where I can text her and she'll text me back. I love watching the videos of the Thursday, et cetera. It's, there's a lot, a lot of rewards that you are going to love. Patreon. Oh, and I forgot the biggest one. If you, if you would like a deal, um, if you sign up for a year subscription, an annual subscription, you get two months free. So it's 12 months for the price of 10. You can't afford not to unless you don't want to. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, if you like what you're hearing, please make sure you're subscribing or following or whatever the word is on your app of choice. Tell your friends. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show so much. And I do read all the comments. And um, also, if you're going to buy something on Amazon... Shop my store. I'm an Amazon influencer. I've just been, I, I don't, you know, shout it that much, but I'm telling you now, amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen, amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. You can shop my podcast gear, makeup that I like, uh, houseware stuff. I'm going to put Manon's book, Funny How It Works Out, in my store under books. Go find it. Aww. Yeah. Um, t- Manon, tell everyone where to find you, what they should look out for, et cetera. First of all, that was a great you directive. Well done. Thank you. You can now find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube under Man and Matthews with one N and one T. Uh, I have a podcast as well called Serious But Funny, B-U-T-T. Uh, that book, Funny How It Works Out, is also available on audiobook. And I read I read it to you with my voice and you can listen to it on a walk. And um, is that it? I don't know. I think that's all I got. That might be. Let's see. Yeah, you, you. I think that's it. I think that's good. Um, Tony, what about you? At Tony Thaxton, Twitter and Instagram, and my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. Manon, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. 